Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Head over to liquidiv.com and use the promo code Duke Loves Wrestling. You're going to save 10% on your entire order. What are you waiting for? Shop better hydration today. Liquidiv.com, promo code Duke Loves Wrestling. And now, let's get on with the show. Look at what we have here, folks! To the only show that matters. The cream of the crop. Duke loves wrestling. And there is no one that does it better than your host. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. The Duke. And I'm all out of bubblegum. This is Alan Roulette of River Horse Photography, River Horse Photography Allure, Alan Roulette Photography, and you are listening to Duke Loves Wrestling. Brothers and sisters, you know that um, we've had some fantastic guests through the years here on the Duke Loves Wrestling podcast, and it's always special when I'm able to document the careers of some of these fine folks, and certainly one of my favorite people on the planet absolutely my favorite photographer of all time and really someone that I, I am blessed to be able to call a friend, Alan Roulette. He has gone through a very serious traumatic experience and he has come out on the other side, thank goodness. And he's decided to share his experience with you. So hopefully we could potentially save some lives out there. So this is going to be a very emotional, informative conversation that you're about to hear right now. So without further ado, welcome back to Duke Loves Wrestling, my great friend, Alan Roulette. How are you doing there, brother? I'm doing good, man. I'm really glad to be back. Well, I'm glad to have you back. I mean, I, I've been documenting your career for, geez, close to six years straight now, right? Yep. We, we have been through a lot. We sure have. We sure have. I want to. I want to get right to the heart of this here to start. Specifically, what was the the life threatening experience that you had? What was it called? What is it? So it started off in January with a kidney stone, and then uh, February. It followed up after the kidney stone with congestive heart failure, myocarditis, and a large heart, basically. Wow. Okay. So I, I didn't realize. Okay. So an enlarged heart, in, in layman's terms, what does that mean? We hear these terms all the time. And, of course, if you're a sports fan, especially if you're a, a football fan, Basketball, unfortunately, we're hearing a lot more about that now with, with even kids, uh, certainly pro wrestling fans. What is an enlarged heart? So what happens is a heart's a muscle, and uh, your muscle is supposed to stay about the same size throughout your life. Gets a little bigger, gets a little smaller. Yeah. Um, if your heart's working too hard, it gets too muscular. And once it gets too muscular it stops beating as hard as it's supposed to. So that's what ended up happening to me. I, I had 
you know, the muscles I wish I had in my arms and my chest and back, I had in my heart. And uh, it was, uh, it was pretty, it's about, yeah, it's like the Grinch, three sizes too big, exposed to three sizes too small. Wow. And, and this almost took you out. Oh, yeah. They, uh, doctors love to tell you how many times you almost died. Uh, so it was about four. It was just, there were four different things that happened to me that would have killed me. And this was all in the last six months. Oof. Okay. Today, right now, as you talk to me right now, are you, are you in the clear or are you still in that transition period? Still transitioning. You know, the answer I give everybody is I'm getting better every day. Um, taking the medication that I have. And literally that's the only thing that makes it better is living a clean lifestyle, taking your medication. There's no special exercise. There's no special anything. Have to live clean and have to take your medication. If I miss my medication, I'm going to die. All right. Well, let's let's back up for a second here, Alan, because I want to make sure that, especially for any of our newer listeners who may not be as familiar right off the top, because you know you're Alan Roulette at your name, but you're more famously known as River Horse Photography. It's the name of your your umbrella organization, and you have different subdivisions, different types of photography that you do under the River Horse name. Um, Let's 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 say them all because I know that this is going to refresh a lot of memories. You have River Horse, which right. is the main thing, and then underneath that, what do we have? So River Horse photography is you know, wrestling, cosplay. I do headshots. I do all that kind of stuff. Everything. Um, then I have River Horse photography allure, which is intimate photography. Um, at most, I shoot girls for OnlyFans and Patreon, but a lot of bikini stuff, that kind of thing. You'll find me on Instagram. But then um, I have my new brand, which is Allen Roulette Photography. I've gotten some um, advice from a couple of consultants that said that I kind of needed to stop hiding behind a fake name. And people needed to know who I am and what I do, as opposed to being cute. So um, I created. Alan Roulette photography, and I do that. Headshots, portraits, real estate photography, commercial photography, that kind of thing. So those are the three that I do. And in terms of, let, let's just talk about people who are currently on TV. If you were to just name right off the top of your head, let's say a handful of people. Who, who are some of the bigger names that you have shot and who <laughs> actively use your photos and, you know, in terms of for, for merchandise sales, headshots, things like that? Shotzi Blackheart, Brian Cage, uh, Britt Baker, uh, Rebel. Matt Riddle. Matt Riddle. Absolutely Matt Riddle. Um, I've shot uh, just in, in the ring, Swerve Strickland. It, 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 I consider myself sort of a rung on the ladder. So you're either going to hit me on the way up or you're going to hit me on the way down. I'm, a, I'm just a rung that's there. I'm not at the top. I'm not at the bottom. I'm in the middle somewhere. So if you're on your way up, you're going to hit me. If you're on your way down, you're going to hit me if I'm at a show. So that's kind of the way it works. And I mean, legitimately, folks, some of the best photography work that you'll ever see, some of the best shots of wrestlers in action uh, that you'll ever see. I mean, some of my favorites, especially with Sue Young and the mm. way that you play mm. with the color 
Uh, you know, some of the shots are in color, some of the shots are in black and white, but then you see the blood in color. Just really wild, cool, awesome stuff there from uh, Alan Roulette, who is the head honcho over at River Horse Photography. So that's who this man is. That's who this man is. That's his connection to pro wrestling. That's why he has been such a, a, an important and well-featured guest here on Duplo's Wrestling. So now that we've re- refreshed everyone's memory in that regard, Let's go back six months. I want to go back to the day before you realized you had the initial issue, which turned out to be a kidney stone. Mm-hmm. So, so walk me through the day before, just from a very general sense, as much as you can remember. Um, how was the day before? So I'm a unicorn with this. No pain, no problems. No difficulties, nothing. The day before was the same average, regular, normal day. Got up, did some work, um, you know, came home, fixed my wife uh, dinner. She hasn't cooked. Uh, and um, the uh, went to bed that night, got up the next day, worked all day long. Came home about 6 o'clock and uh, was like, let me, let me fix this woman some dinner. Hit the bathroom real quick. And that's when it all fell apart. Okay. So again, the day before, normal day, no issues. The Nothing. day of, normal day, no issues. No pain, You're, no problems, no nothing. Nope. No nothing. Just a regular Allen roulette, normal kind of day. And keep in mind, folks, this is a guy who is a photographer. So he's traveling or people are coming to his home studio constantly editing, constantly speaking with people, whether it be individual wrestlers, models, uh, other types of of reputable organizations, schools, hospitals, restaurants, you name it. I mean, Alan is a very active person. So because of that, very much like a wrestler, you're kind of on the go a lot, even when you're at home, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's... You know, a regular day is, you know, take a meeting to, I mean, it, it's weird. You know, you shoot two babies, three wrestlers, go out and shoot a business, come back, edit for a while, you know, and then you, you don't really know. Every day is completely different when you're a photographer. See, the thing I pick up on is the fact that you are very serious about making sure that you make dinner for your wife. Mm-hmm. Obviously, for yourself, but just start to death. Yeah, well, exactly, right? This is a thing where one of the, the many ways that you express your love is making sure that she has a great meal. Um, and your schedule, because you have more control over it, you're in a position where more often than not you can be around to, to have dinner ready at the, at the home there. It's what I like about my job. It's working for yourself, as you know, is one of the greatest pleasures it's one of the greatest pains too but it's one of the greatest pleasures like i worked for the school system i was they were my master i was in the military they were my master i worked in a burn center they were my master now i eat what i kill the harder i work the more money i make the more success i get and the happier i am which gives me the time to take care of my wife and check on my children and all that good stuff so i i much prefer having my own business that to working for somebody else. 
the challenge of being your own boss and moving and grooving the way that you do is that although you're making sure that your wife is getting a, a decent meal every night, what is your day looking like? Are you stopping to have lunch? Are you consistently making sure throughout the day? I'm not talking about dinner. I'm talking, I'm talking about throughout the day. Are you staying hydrated? Are you eating enough? Walk me through that a little bit. So usually I always make sure I, well, before, I mean, there's life before, quote unquote, the incident and life after the incident. But life before the incident, nice big breakfast, always made sure I made time for lunch. You make your own schedule, you know? So it's like, um, no, I'm not booked. At, I, I am booked at 12, but I'll be able to shoot you at one. And then from 12 to 1230, I have some lunch. I mean, it really wasn't, it, it's not terrible. When I go out of town, it's a little different. I have to kind of finagle things like um, October 7th, I'm going to Cleveland. And uh, for a show in Cleveland. Um, and uh, I'm not sure how Friday, Saturday, and Sunday is going to go. You know, I, I know I get in on Friday. I'm not sure when I'm having dinner. Uh, I work all day Saturday. I'm not sure when I'm eating. I leave at 7 o'clock in the morning on Sunday. I'm not sure if I'm going to get breakfast before I hit the plane. So those are the times that things get kind of wild. But when I'm home... And I'm I'm in control of the driving and the shooting and my studio. I got all I have complete and total control before and after the incident. It's just what I have is a little different now. There's no one listening right now who can't relate to at least portions of what you're saying there. And folks, I'm setting this up the way that I am for a reason. Making sure that you're hydrated no matter how busy you are, especially when you have any kind of control over your schedule. Finding moments where you eat something throughout the day, not just one big meal at night, but legitimately try to get something in your stomach throughout the day, give yourself a little energy and what have you. All of these things, the sum of all parts matter. Um, so I'm glad to hear, Alan, that at least at home, you you were always prioritizing these things. That's great to hear. So so now let's get back to it here. You you're You're setting up dinner like you normally do. You're at home. You go to the restroom, you're going to take a leak, and then, uh-oh, and, and so, this is going to be a little graphic, but we're all big big boys and girls here. Let's let's do it. So I'm just hanging out, listening to my wife on the treadmill, making all kinds of noise in there, and um, I start taking a leak, and just brownish red sludge starts coming out, and I've seen, you know, I used to work in the medical field for years. I've seen blood and pee before. Um, wasn't really blood. Uh, wasn't really brown. It was just this dark, almost blood kind of whatever. So I kind of fell backwards immediately and uh, yelled for my wife. And uh, who was like, I'll be there in a minute. And I'm like, no, I need you now. And she's like, oh, he's serious. You know, so she jumps off the treadmill, runs in, and it's just this mess that's there. And I'm like, is this blood? And she's like, it doesn't look like blood, but I don't know what happened. So my wife works in the medical field. She ran to her office really super quick and got some uh, testing equipment. 
and tested it and it had blood in it. And she's like, well, we're, we're going to urgent care. And I'm like, no, we're not. And she's like, uh, yeah, yeah, we're, we're going to urgent care. And I'm like, no, we're not. And she's like, why? And I'm like, well, I've seen this in the military. I know what this is. Like I had just started a exercise routine, uh, about 30 days beforehand. And a lot of times when you are exercising, if you don't stay as hydrated as you should, your muscles, I'm sorry, your body will take uh, fluid from your muscles. And what happens is you get this stuff that's called rapto, I forgot what it's called, raptomyosis or whatever it is, but it turns your pee this really weird color. I'd seen it a million times in the military. I'm like, all I got to do is just drink a bunch. I'm going to be fine. I just have to drink a bunch. I'll be fine. I'll just drink a bunch. I'll be fine. Well, my wife, being my wife, and we just celebrated our 30th anniversary, been together 33 years, uh, wouldn't take a no for an answer. And we got in the car, went to urgent care. They made me pee in a cup, same sludge. And they sent me to the emergency room. And everybody's like, he's got rapto. He's got rapto. He's got rapto. He's got rapto. And, uh, so they hooked me to an IV, and I mean, a double bag. They shoved two bags of fluid in me immediately through one needle. And, um, you know, and of course, give me a, a, a bunch. It's funny. When you're in the hospital, they give you one urinal to use. I had like four. I had like a, a whole a crew of them there because I just kept peeing. It was like I just, just pulled the curtain, had to pee again, pull the curtain, had to pee again because they were just dumping fluid into me. And, um, the next time I went, it was clear. It was fine. Everything was cleared up. I went, look, see, it was rapto. It's not a big deal. They're like, let's put some more fluids in you. Let's get you hydrated. Remember you need to drink. What's the matter with you? You know, it's like you're, 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 you know, you're doing extra exercise. Okay. It's great. But I had this one doctor who was there and I remember Dr. Rogers, good guy, saved my life. Um, he was like, um, he asked me about my family's history and my father had had a, uh, uh, tumor around, uh, his kidney around the aorta, the, the blood vessel that goes into his kidney it was 11 pound tumor. And, um, he ended up having the tumor taken out and his kidney taken out. And this doctor heard that cause I was running my mouth too much. And, um, he was like, I want to do a CT of your gut. And I'm like, no, no, I don't want to do that. And he's like, smarter than me, of course. Uh, he's like, well, I want to do a chest X-ray and I want to do an EKG and I want to do this. And, and he just started piling it on. So finally, I was like, listen, just do the CT of my gut and leave me alone, which is all he wanted to do anyway. Smarter than me. You know, it's like a Br'er Rabbit. Don't throw me in the briar patch. You know, that kind of stuff. So, uh, <laughs> So he did a CT in my gut and he goes, uh, Hey, I uh, got really good news for you. You, you don't have a tumor. I'm like, I know I didn't have a tumor, dude. Like, I know that my dad smoked for 45 years. I'm not a smoker. I'm not any of that. He goes, but you do have a kidney stone. And I'm like, really? Like I should have pain. And he's like, uh, pain or not, you got a kidney stone. And not only do you have a kidney stone, it's not in your kidney and it's not in your bladder. It's lodged between in that little thing. It's called a ureter, but it's a little tube that leads from your kidney to your bladder. Well, the opening, it's lodged in there. And I'm like, oh, 
he goes, yeah, one to five millimeters, we probably let it pass. Nine to nine or above, you got to have surgery. Like, well, what's mine? And he's like, it's a six. I'm like, oh my God. Like it had to be like, you know, you know, say it's like, it's so close that it could have just passed by itself, you know, that kind of thing. So he goes, we're going to admit you to the hospital, let you see the urologist, let him decide what we're going to do. But it looks like you might have to have surgery. And I'm like, oh my God, and I'm freaking out because I've never been in the hospital before. I've never had an IV before. I've never done, I have done all of these things, but I have never been a patient ever in 55 years of my life. Well, 55 at the time. Yeah, 55. And so they uh, put me in the hospital, talked to the uh, urologist. Urologist was like, you know, in 80% of these cases, we just send the person home. So I'm grabbing my pants and my shoes and everything. Like, we're going home. And he's like, except there's something weird about yours. And I'm like, what is it? And he said, well, your kidney is literally swollen about a third bigger than it should be. And it's called hydronephrosis. It's uh, your kidney basically has so much fluid in it that it just keeps expanding, expanding, expanding. So my kidney is a certain size, but it's a third bigger now than it's supposed to be. And it's like, we don't understand where all this fluid's coming from because even with a kidney stone, it has to leak around and leak in and around and stuff because it's stone. So he's like, I'm not sending you home. And uh, I'm like, oh, damn. He goes, uh, so I'm remembering back from my old days in medicine. And uh, I'm like, so you're going to use some uh, lithotripsy on me. Lithotripsy is when they shoot sound waves into you to break up stones. It's 1985. That's when I was doing medicine. That's what they did. I'm like, it's going to be easy. I get hit with some sound waves. It's going to hurt. Get a couple of bruises. Life's going to be good. Everything will be fine. He goes, yeah, we don't do that anymore. Um, and I'm like, oh, uh, well, what do you do? He goes, we use lasers now. So the nerd in me is like, all I'm, all I'm picturing is like asteroids. Remember the old game of asteroids when the little triangles blowing up rocks and stuff? I'm like, oh, it's going to be awesome. Thinking about the Death Star blowing up, all this stuff. I'm like, this is going to be great. And he's just sitting there looking at me. And my wife is just sitting there looking at me. And I got a big dumb smile on my face. And, uh, you know, he's, so finally it hit me. I'm like, do you have to cut me to get the laser in there? He goes, oh, no, we're not cutting you. No, no, there's no cutting at all. And he just sat there and looked at me for a little while longer. And I'm thinking, how the hell is he going to get this laser inside of me? And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, and he's like, yeah, only one way in, one way out. That's it. So they had to shove pretty much half a Home Depot up my uh, man business. To, uh, <laughs> to get this stone out of there. So they had to knock me out completely, take me into surgery, shove a, bunch of med- shove a bunch of stuff in there. Turns out that the stone had completely cut off the ureter, like no urine was coming through at all. So best case scenario, if I hadn't gotten any help, I would have lost my kidney. Uh, middle case scenario, I would have lost both kidneys. And worst case scenario, which is what they said would probably happen, is I would have gotten septic, you know, I would have gotten sick, and I would have died from it because all of that stuff wouldn't have been passing out of my body. You know, your, your urine is how all the bad things in your body leave. It wouldn't have left. My blood would have gotten sick, and I would have died, and it would have taken about a week. I had about a week left to live. Wow. 
So, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> the, the shoving half a Home Depot in, into your, your man parts is uh, yikes. Oh, yeah. And uh, <laughs> I, I, limp, I limped around for, I don't know, probably about four or five days because they stick, they stick a stint in there to keep it open. Oh, so I had, a, I had a piece of plastic sticking inside there. I had a string coming out of my man business that uh, in five, four days, five days, I'm supposed to pull this string, which pulls this plastic out. And that's after everything's healed up. But I mean, I, I peed blood for, I mean, real blood, not the whatever garbage I was peeing before. I mean, real deep, real for real blood for about four or five days. And then uh, he called me and he was like, it's okay to pull the stint out. So I pulled this, which was surprisingly bigger than I thought it was. I was like, I put this picture in this little teeny tiny thing. I yanked this big piece of plastic out of me. And uh, everything was supposed to be done. Everything was supposed to be fine. We all lived happily ever after. I'm supposed to see him in three days just to make sure there's no more problems. Everything's done. And that was only the first chapter of, you know, an ongoing 25 chapter book. That was it. That was the beginning of all of it. Okay. So, so we, we got the plastic out We're mm-hmm. we're on the mend, mm-hmm. you know, we, we were able to keep our kidney. Thank yeah. goodness. You know, at, at the end of the day, it was a stone that was being stubborn, but thank goodness for everybody who, who came together, your wife, Folks at the at the hospital, the doctor being stubborn, not taking no for an answer, even though you were trying to get yourself out of it. Well, it was uh, kind of wild because they were like, it's supposed to be a half hour operation. And I was in there an hour and 40 minutes. That's how bad it was lodged in there. Like it, it had lodged in like like a like a slam door. Like they, they had said it was like a vault door that had shut everything off and it took them an hour and 40 minutes to get it out of there for a normal half hour operation. So we might have to call the uh, Guinness book of world records and, and see if, <laughs> <laughs> nah, there, see if you... there have been worse, just not to me. That's all. <laughs> but this is, I mean, of course, if you're going to do something, you're going to do it big. That's the Allen roulette way. Oh, yeah. So, but we got through that. Thank goodness. So, so now as far as you knew at the time, you're in the clear. Yep. And 100%, then, 100% fine. So so fast forward now to the moment when you realized that you had, that something else was wrong, which I'm sure you attributed to the kidney. Like, all right, maybe there's, you know, mm-hmm. some residual effects of this. But fast forward to the point where you're like, uh-oh. Yeah. So, I'm, um, so the next day, uh, a friend of mine who's a nurse practitioner, God bless nurse practitioners. They're awesome. Um, the, um, she was like, uh, your feet look swollen, Bubba. And she calls me Bubba for some reason or another. And no one in the world calls me Bubba. I've never in the world had anybody call me that. She calls me, your feet look swollen, Bubba. And I'm like, well, I, I got a lot of fluids. And she was like, well, how long they have you on fluids? And I'm like, well, all the way through the emergency room, all the way through my hospital stay, all the way through the operation. And when they took the IV out, they had been running fluids full blast. Because the idea was, if they filled me with enough fluids, I might push the stone out. I might pee it out. And they wouldn't have to operate on me. Well, they, they left the fluids going even after the operation. And it just kept going, kept going, kept going, kept going for another day. And um, she goes, your feet are swollen. And I'm like, I'm okay. 
because you know that's 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 a black man's way of uh, that's how we stay healthy. If you don't see the doctor and they don't tell you nothing's wrong, then you're fine. <laughs> you don't have heart disease if the doctor didn't tell you you have it, <laughs> even if you got it. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, um, so I'm like, yeah, my feet are swollen. All right, big deal, no big deal. I'll just put them up. I'll, I'll put them up. I'll put them up. And then my ankle started swelling, and my legs started swelling. And uh, so three weeks goes by. Now I've started going back to exercising. And then a week before everything really went down, I couldn't exercise. And I'd gotten what I thought was a cold. You know, it was a lot of congestion and a lot of runny nose. And, you know, I was having a lot of anxiety for some reason or another. And it's, you know, when your body's sick, it, you, you end up with a lot of anxiety for some of you. Your body's just like, hey, something's wrong and I don't know how to tell you, you know, kind of thing. And so just constantly anxious, legs swelling up. Um, day before everything really went down, um, I could walk about 25 steps and then I had to sit down because I was tired. You know, so I walk into the kitchen to cook something, sit down in the kitchen, get up, cook a little bit, sit down in the kitchen, get up, do a little something else, sit down. The next day, it was about 10 steps. I do about 10 steps. And then I had to sit down. And so I realized uh, I got to call the boss on this one. So I called my wife and I told her what was going on. She was at work. And um, she's like, okay. And I said, oh, I guess that's it. You know, I've been taking all this cold medication. I guess I have a cold and my legs are swollen, but I guess they'll go down or whatever. And I don't know, about 4 o'clock, 5, 4.30, she comes blasting into the house. I mean, door slams. She's like, I don't want to hear anything out of your mouth. I don't want you to say anything. I don't want to hear It's nothing. Answer my questions. Don't say anything else. I'm like, okay. And she, so she asked me this, 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 and this. And I was like, yes, 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 no, yes, no, no, yes, no. And she goes, we're going, to, we're going back to urgent care. And I'm like, Why? And she's like, I'm like, I'm not going. And she's like, you got to go. And I'm like, I ain't got to do nothing but stay black and die. And which not realizing that I was dying. Um, but um, so she called the doctor that's a friend of ours that we have a lot of respect for. And, and sometimes it's sad. Right? I will admit it. Sometimes you listen to your wife and you've known her for years and years. And you're like, I'll argue, I'll argue, I'll argue. And then this man gets on the phone that you don't know, but you know him, but you don't. And he tells you, you got to go or you, you're in trouble. And I'm like, okay. So we got in the car, went to the uh, urgent care. They weighed me and I weighed way more than I normally do. I mean, I was pushing 300 pounds. And they just were like, they're like, are you 300 pounds? I'm like, I am not 300 pounds. They're like, get back on the scale. So I get back on the scale, 300 pounds. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? So they're listening to my chest. Everybody's huddling. Everybody's talking to each other. They're like, you got to go to the emergency room now. And I'm like, okay, I'll go to the emergency room. But at first, we want to get a chest x-ray just to make sure. So they did a chest x-ray. After they got the chest x-ray, they're like, go now, now. So um, we went to the emergency room. Uh, they did some list, 
They did some listening to me. They did some other stuff. Immediately admitted me to the hospital uh, with congestive heart failure. And I'm like, you got to be kidding. Like, I'm, I'm fine. When I sit down, I'm fine. I can breathe. I'm not having any chest pain. I'm not having anything. Well, they did some scans and did some x-rays and did some other stuff. And the tally was I had a ton of fluid that was around my heart that was crushing my heart. Like, so your heart has to expand to beat and then it contracts. It expands and contracts. If you got a bunch of fluid around your heart, your heart doesn't expand, which means when it's pushing, it's not pushing the blood the way it should. So I was already in trouble there. Both of my lungs were full of fluid. Um, you know, long story short on that, they said I had about two days to four days, two to four days, or I would have drowned. Like I would have literally had so much fluid in my, my, my lungs that I would have drowned in my sleep. Um, and then I had about two liters of fluid in my back on the right side that was just sitting there in a big pocket. And I had one liter of fluid in my back that was sitting on the left side in a big pocket that was just sitting there, just underneath my lungs, sitting there inside my organs, but it's just this pocket of fluid. And they're like, if that had gone bad, which it normally does, it would have killed you immediately. It's sepsis. Would, it would, the sepsis would have killed you. You can't, ha- you can't run around with three liters of fluid that goes bad inside of you. So there's about 15 different colors it could be. And mine just happened to be the right color when they got it out. If it was any of the other colors, it would have killed me. So now we're up to, I don't know, four different ways I almost died. You know, they were like, I had two to four days with my lungs. I had probably a couple of weeks with my heart and it would have just stopped beating and that would have been the end of it. Uh, if I'd gotten septic from the, all the fluid that was in my back, I would have died in probably a couple of weeks to a month, depending on how bad it got. Then, of course, there was all my kidney stuff before that. So they're like, we got a lot of stuff we've got to do to you. You have congestive heart failure. Now you go, you're sitting there. I, you know, I was fine. You know, literally three weeks beforehand, I was, I've gone to work, was walking around. And if I hadn't peed that night at all, I'd have never known anything was wrong with me at all. Walking around, working hard, doing my thing. Now I'm a cardiac patient. And they put me in the cardiac. I'm, in, I'm a cardiac patient being treated by cardiologists. And everybody's telling me, boy, you're lucky you're here because you would have died from this and you would have died from that. You would have died from the other. Giving me actual days. Two to four days, you would have died. Two weeks to, to three weeks, you would have died. You know, that kind of thing. And I'm like, my God. So we started doing tests. And I had a stress test. And I had a, just a bunch of stuff. Um, they put me on Lasix, which is a diuretic and a couple of other diuretics. They changed all my blood pressure medications. They changed everything. Everything was changed. I was on like, I take probably 15 to 17 pills a day now. And they, that's when they started putting me on all of that. And every two hours, they're walking in with some pills to take. And I'm like, what's this for? What's this for? This is to make your heart smaller. This is to get some of the fluid out of you. This is for this. This is for that. Nothing was wrong before that. I was fine. 
I would have dropped dead in the street thinking I was fine. So um, they uh, got enough fluid out of me that uh, my lungs were clear and the fluid around my heart had gone away. So there wasn't any fluid pushing on my heart, but my heart was enlarged now because once the fluid goes away and your that muscle isn't being pushed anymore, it blows up. Like you, you, know, you get swole. I got swole inside my chest. And um, so that was what ha- that happened. And um, they did a test on me and they said that my, what's called your ejection fraction, how hard you're pushing your blood out was 20%. You should be around 59 to seven, I'm sorry, 51 to 79%. And I was at 20% and sinking. And I'm like, oh my God, you know. And uh, they were talking about defibrillators. They were talking about wearing a vest that can shock me back to life. They were talking about, I mean, and I was fine. I felt fine. And I kept telling them, I feel fine. And they're like, you're not fine. You're, you're, you're really a sick man. So it got down to there was about one liter of fluid that was in my back that just didn't go away. They managed to dry. They managed to dry up about two liters of the three liters. So they stuck a needle in my back. I got to lean against a wall, and they jammed a big needle in my back, and they drained a little over a liter of fluid out. And they tested it to see what color it was to make sure it wasn't the wrong color. And out of all the colors it could be, it was the right color. It's supposed to look like a IPA beer. They said, it's, that's what the color is supposed to look like. And I'm like, I really don't drink IPAs, but okay, I'll take your word for it. And um, so then I sat there and I, uh, like I said, I had a stress test. I had a bunch of other things and they had to decide whether they were going to do a cardiac catheterization on me. And they're like, uh, we think you're okay. We're going to send you home now after you've been here for a while. Um, and uh you're a cardiac patient now, and uh, we got to follow up with you. So we'll see you in like two or three days. And for the next couple of weeks, I was going to doctors every two to three days just to make sure that I was still, things were still progressing in the right direction. Um, and that's like, you know, chapters two through, I don't know, seven or eight <laughs> of it. I ended up switching cardiologists to another one. Uh, no real, re- it was no heart, nothing bad happened. He was just more convenient. And um, he made me get a cardiac catheterization. Well, he gave me a choice. I could take this long list of tests that I could do, you know, uh, chest x-ray, a heart x-ray, a this x-ray, a that, a that, a that, whatever. Or I could get a cardiac catheterization. And I chose the cardiac catheterization because they said, Hey, if there are any blockages in your heart, when they're doing the cardiac catheterization, they can fix those at the time. And I'm like, well, shit, as much pork as I've eaten in my life back in the day and as much fat and cholesterol and as little exercise as I've had, I'm like, my heart has got to be a mess inside, you know? So I'm like, you know, if they can fix it and go in and it's one stop shop, let's do it. Let's do that instead. So they put me on the schedule for it. They put me on medications. Uh, well, they bump my medications up. And uh, so uh, eventually I'm, I'm on the max of everything I can possibly take right now. 
uh, but I got my cardiac catheterization. And I don't know if you believe in God or nature or whatever it is. I had less than 1% damage in my heart, which meant no clogs, no, they're not going to open up my chest and give me a bypass. Um, I can't get enough cholesterol in my heart to end up having a heart attack from, from that kind of thing. Found out it was fine. And also found out through the test that I'd gone from 20% to 35% on my ejection fraction. So, um, was getting better, getting better, getting better. Ended up having another echocardiogram. Last one I had was 35 to 40%. Um, but according to the American Heart Association, I'm still in the red, you know. So um, I, I know this is getting long-winded, but I'll, I'll finish it with this. So at 20% ejection fraction, all right, um, I had five years left to live. That was it. It was anywhere from five minutes to five weeks, hours to five weeks to five months, no more than five years, and I would have died with a 20% ejection fraction. You can't live like that. So they were setting me up to put a, a defibrillator in my chest, a little metal thing that shocks me to bring me back uh, so they could try and help me, but I wasn't going to live longer than five years. So that was my, I don't know, fifth, sixth death sentence, something like that. In, in the last six months. When it hit 35, I moved out of that. I don't need a defibrillator anymore. I just have to live clean and to keep taking my meds. Well, when they told me it was 35 to 40, um, anywhere from 1% to 6% away, according to the American Heart Association, away from being in the yellow. I'm still in the red. I still can drop dead. Yeah. I mean, please hire me so I can work. I mean, I'm not going to drop dead during your photo shoot, but it's like I, I can still drop dead. Um, and I don't have another echocardiogram until next May. So I'm not going to know where my heart is until next May, May of 2024, because you got to wait. You got to let the medication work and you got to let it think. The interesting thing is, and the wrestling tie-in is... The exact same thing is what happened to Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt had uh, myocarditis. He died in his sleep from it. Um, they had recommended in some of the things that I read that he had gotten a chest defibrillator and he hadn't gotten one, which means that his ejection fraction was 20% or less. And the thing that I managed to recover from and live from is the thing that one of my favorite wrestlers the last week died of. And so it just brings, it just brought it all back to me again. I mean, I live it every day. I mean, every day I go, is today going to be the day I die? Is today going to be the day I die? You know, and then you see somebody die of it and you go, my God, I mean, every half hour you're like, is, is this going to be when I die? Is this going to be when I die? Kind of thing. And, um, it was, so I called, you know, I got in touch with you and I'm like, listen, I, I've been putting up posts telling people this is, you got to live a good life. You got to move, you got to eat right. You know what I mean? You got to stay hydrated. You got to do your thing. You got to go to your doctor. You can't play games. I used to play games with my doctor all the time. It's just so I wouldn't have to go. 
You know, I'd make appointments for when I knew she was taking vacation just so I can get another few months in, that kind of thing. Um, you can't do any of that. And I learned that. I learned that I have to listen to my wife, who's a doctor, and I have to take my medications and do the things I need to do. And, But, I mean, I'm still in the red right now. Close to the yellow. Probably going to be okay. You know, my doctor said I don't need a defibrillator. I don't need to wear a vest. I don't need to do any of that kind of stuff. He said, keep doing what I'm doing. He's proud of me, this and that. Um, But, you know, I live with taking 15, 17 medications a day just so we try and shrink my heart and get me back to something that's close to normal. That's a hell of an experience, Alan. (laughs) Yeah. And the, the, the eerie similarities to Bray Wyatt, like you said. Um, unfortunately, as reported, mm-hmm. he had either forgotten to uh, wear his defibrillator or, or what have you. For whatever reason, it wasn't on him when he took a nap and he mm-hmm. did not wake up. Yeah. And that's how quick it can be. And that's how crazy it is. You can feel fine, you know. I mean, the med- I feel worse now on all the medication that I'm on than I was when I was sick. When I was sick, I felt fine. Now I'm taking all this medication and saving my life and bringing my heart back and doing all these other things. It, I get tired and I, I get malaise and I, I get nauseous and I don't feel good and uh, this and that and the other. I feel worse now. Than I did when I was when I was when they were telling me I was going to die. I'm like, how am I going to die? I feel great, you know. Now they're saying you're going to live. I'm like, how am I going to live? I feel like shit, you know. It's like it's crazy, but you have to look your wife in the face, and you got to look your children in the face, and you got to look the people who care about you in the face and tell them, I'm sorry, I fucked up. This is this is on me. All of this is on me. I fucked up and I fucked up because I love pork and I fucked up because I love salt and I fucked up because I don't like going to the doctor and I fucked up because of everything that people go through every single day. And it hit me. It got me at 55. It got me. It caught up to me and it's all, it's all my fault, you know? And I can't tell my wife of 33 years we've been together. I can't tell her I'm sorry more than I've already told her. But I still, every day, tell her I'm sorry. And I promised her, I, I, will, I will fight my ass off to live for you. But let's be honest, if we're being honest about honest. The average black man in America lives to 76. That's the average age your average black man lives to, 76. I'm 56. I've got average 20 years left, 20 more Christmases, 20 more birthdays, 20 more anniversaries. That's it. 20 more Thanksgivings. If I'm lucky, it'll be more. If I'm unlucky, it'll be less. And I'll have 15, or I'll have 18, or I'll have 11. Or 10. I don't know. Like, this kind of stuff makes you really understand that when I was born, a young black child, I had 76 years. Now we've whittled it down to 20, at best. 
you know, on average. At best, I can live to be 100. I live forever, I guess. But, you know, <laughs> you know, but, it, uh, you know, I might live to be 80-something, possibly, whatever it is. But on average, your average black man drops dead at 76. So life's different now. You know, I look at that. I never had a bucket list and I never had a, you know, I was always like, oh, let me put that off another year. Let me do this another year. Let me do that another year. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I look at life a lot differently now than I did because <laughs> next in, in when February hits, that's the beginning. That means I got 19 years left. February 2025, I got 18 years left. You know, 26, I got 17 years left. And it's ticking down. I'm on the other side of the mountain, you know? So it's, it, it's definitely a lot to think about. And it's hard to look your beautiful wife in the face. And my wife is beautiful. It's hard to look her in the face and go, you know, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> like, and your kids, you know, I mean, my kids aren't married yet. Now all of a sudden I'm like, they got to get married. We need some grandkids. We need some this, that, and the other. Daddy's only got 20 years left. That's it. And they're like, yeah, you're going to be, stop it. You know, and yeah, I have a tendency to be fatalistic and I have a tendency to be, you know, a little pessimistic, that kind of thing. You know, I might live to be 85. I don't know. But I look at national averages and that's what you make your, make your decisions based off of. And national average says I'm in 19 and a half years now. And I got to get everything done that I haven't finished. I got to finish this work on this planet. And I got 19 and a half years to do it. And if I'm granted more, then thank you. You know, and if I'm granted less, hopefully I got it done before. I'll tell you, Alan, uh, considering that we're we're starting the clock, so to speak, um, what is the best way that people can get in touch with you? Because if they only have 19 years and... First of all, I, I expect you to live forever, by the way. By, by that time, <laughs> you know, in the not too distant future, we'll, we'll figure out a way to keep everybody around. But if we're only talking 19, 20 years here, then what's the best way folks can get in touch with you if they want to get some top notch photography done? If they want to follow your journey, because I'm sure you're going to do the right things to increase oh, that yeah. 19 and 20 years and, and, and you know, keep that. Uh, Keep yeah, I that, that clock going. I haven't exercised as much as I've exercised in the last six months. I haven't exercised like that since I was in the military. It's 30, to, 30 minutes to an hour and a half a day, at least, of continuous exercise. I, I forgot what salt tastes like because I don't get that much of it anymore. Um, you know, I, I plant-based diet. I don't recommend or not recommend it. It's just what I choose. I have more plant-based stuff than anything. Um, you know, between that exercise, I'm, I keep my doctor's appointments. I do all of that stuff. But if, if anybody really wants to get in touch with me, and I, I'm one of those crazy people who does this, but my number is 863-409-7143. You can call me. You can text me. And I do business that way. I'm, I'm a small business owner. You know, I do business that way. You call, and that's my personal number. You'll get me. Now, I may not answer you right away, but I, because I might be shooting, but you can do that. 
if you can go on Instagram at riverhorse underscore photography, you can go to riverhorse underscore photography allure if you like to look at pretty girls. Um, but uh, lately, the, the the real thing has been Alan Roulette photography. I, I I've taken off the mask, <laughs> decided to be myself, Alan Roulette. And so you can go to Alan Roulette Photography, and that's on Instagram. Alan Roulette Photography is on Facebook. Uh, there's an AlanRoulettePhotography.com. If you want to go, I got, actually went and got a web page done. So I, it's nice, wonderful, done by Destroyer Media, unbelievable media place that did it for me. Um, and you can see what I do. You can see how you can see my photography. You can see all of that. If you want to see pretty girls, you got to stick to River Horse. If you want to see wrestling, you got to stick to River Horse. But all my adult, grown up, real photography, um, prints that I saw of all the places I've been England, Spain, Budapest, uh, Honduras, um, all those places. I have prints from all of them that I sell. Um, you can get those. Inquire about those on allenroulettephotography.com and uh, call me and we, we can make a deal. Um, I'm heading out to, uh, where are we going? Uh, we're taking a little bit of a vacation, but October I'm going to Cleveland uh, shooting for, um, uh, actually EC3's new promotion out there, the uh, NWA affiliate. Um, the, uh, I, uh, we're hitting Miami super hard in February and then all points in between in the middle. I mean, it's, it's as much as I can take, I'll do. And as much as I can do, I'm going to do. There's only so many more pictures I have left I can take. And, um, you know, that's it. That's you can touch me. Oh, uh, if you want to email me, <laughs> riverhorsephotography at gmail, uh, Alan Roulette Photography at gmail. Get in touch with me. I travel. I just got back from Dallas. I spent four days down in Dallas shooting everything under the sun. If you've got something set up, I've got, I'm heading out to Vegas. Going to be doing some stuff out in Vegas. Like I'm going everywhere. Like I'm not staying. I'm not staying in one spot. Going everywhere I can go. The wife's traveling with me. And uh, we're going to see the country, see the world, and uh, I'm, I'm going to finish this work before, before my time is up. Listen, as always, be kind to yourselves and be kind to others. Take it away, Tony Schiavone. Let's talk hydration. See, I carry something to drink with me every single place that I go because I am concerned about being dehydrated. It runs in the family. Everything from dry mouth, dizzy spells, fainting. It's pretty serious. And I've tried all the different types of waters and sports drinks. Let me tell you something right now. Liquid IV, that has been the most efficient at keeping me hydrated and doing so pretty quickly. Okay, Liquid IV has five essential vitamins and is two times faster at keeping you hydrated than water alone. 
And I'm serious, man. Everything from vitamin C to vitamins B3, B5, B6, B12. Liquid IV also is non-GMO. So it's free from gluten, dairy, soy. So for all you folks out there with food allergies, this may be right up your alley. And I know what you're thinking, but how does it taste, Duke? Well, it tastes pretty good. Okay, we're talking my favorite in pina colada. We also have tropical punch, strawberry, new flavors like sea berry and strawberry lemonade. Huh. You can enjoy this stuff, man. But don't take my word for it. I want you to stop what you're doing right now and head over to liquidiv.com. Use the promo code Duke Loves Wrestling so you get 20% off your entire order. I mean, anything that you order on liquidiv.com. So what are you waiting for? It's time for you to shop better hydration today. Use the promo code Duke Loves Wrestling over at liquidiv.com. Save yourself 20%. Stay hydrated. Most importantly, enjoy life. That's right. 